Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. From the broadcast to the podcast, it is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blog spot, hand on my Uwego. We invading airwaves. Yes, yes, y'all. Tell a friend to tell a friend that we are back online. It is your man, GM Cool, and this is another edition of Cool Radio, and the cool is in full effect. Ladies and gents, you know, I, I got something to tell you. I got something to tell all of y'all. It's been a long time. Shouldn't have left you without a cold pie to step two, step two, step two, step two. <laughs> Nonetheless, I've been gone for a hot minute. Been gone for a hot minute. It's been about, what, three months? I haven't recorded a pod since December of last year, of 2021, actually. This is probably like a week or two before the holidays really kicked in. Well, my holidays kicked in, actually, I should say, because from December 13th and onward, your boy was off the grid. Your boy was off the grid. And after that, I took a bit of a longer sabbatical and what have you. But nonetheless, I'm back. I'm feeling recharged. I'm feeling rejuvenated. And I feel like there's a lot of content that I want to, you know, discuss with you guys because I think there's a lot of things that are happening within the world of pop culture and in music that really need to have their attention focused on. So, right off the rip, I'm just going to let you guys know that this episode of Cool Radio is going to be very Kanye-centric or Ye-centric, as he's calling himself now. So, what I want to talk about in this episode, for the most part, will be his documentary on Netflix and my overall thoughts on it. Um, his back and forth with Kim and Pete Davidson, apparently, and him calling out people like Trevor Noah and D.L. Hughley. And then even th- there being a petition for him to not perform at Coachella because of all the things that have been happening with him on social media and like all the comments he's been making. Besides from that, though, I also want to discuss, you know, Ryan Coogler getting arrested at a bank. Little Dirk saying some very, very problematic comments, in my opinion, about, you know, what he's looking for in when he's dating a woman. And then Juicy Smollett, <laughs> Jussie Smollett being sentenced to 150 days in prison. But you guys already know how I do when it comes to the show, man. To start things off. I got some stuff to get off of my chest. So on that note, it is time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. All right. So like I said, to kick things off, it will be a very Kanye-centric show today. So the first thing I want to start off is with his documentary called Genius on Netflix. So it was a three-part docuseries. Each episode was basically an hour and a half long, give or take. And while the doc was about Kanye as like the central focus, the doc somewhat felt like it almost felt like it was just as much about the director of the documentary who goes by the name of Cootie. And it was also produced by uh, Chike. So Cootie and Chike are the are the tandem that produced the doc and also created the footage for the doc as well. And Cootie is a longtime videographer, all right? He's been videographing for about 20 years, give or take. And before that, he was also a stand-up comedian. But once he decided that he was going to basically document Kanye around to see where his career would go and what have you, um, especially after he got the record deal from Rockefeller Records, that's when he decided to, you know, retire the comedian mic and decided to become his full-time videographer. And he was just filming footage for whatever eventual documentary that may come out with Kanye, you know, in the years to come. And it came in the form of this, of course. And this is like 20 years worth of worth of footage. So why not? And it's interesting because a lot of the footage that is being shown in this documentary is the footage 
that you see in Kanye's debut music video, Through the Wire. You see a lot of that footage, and you begin to understand where that footage came from and how it came about. And there's a lot more context to that footage as well. So as someone who grew up a Kanye fan during the 10th grade, um, back in the mid-2000s, I was like, man, this is like a trip down memory lane. This is a nice time capsule, you know? And hey, nostalgia will always get the best of everyone, right? But nonetheless, I thought it was pretty cool. And I liked how Cootie had his story to tell adjacent to the Kanye story. So he was even talking about in certain moments where him and Kanye didn't talk for years and what have you. And this was probably around a time when Kanye started getting really successful during the mid-2000s, like after late registration. They didn't really talk as much. And then by the time um, 808 and Heartbreak came out, they didn't talk from 2008 to 2014. And he showed that while Kanye was, you know, blowing up, become a me- becoming a megastar, um, he was doing his own thing as well. He became a music video director and a videographer, and he would do projects for people like Most Def and Common and John Legend and others to name a few. Um, he also had his own family as well. He had a, he had a daughter. He, he, he did his own thing. He had his own career. So it's not like he was depending on Kanye for a paycheck. Like he was doing his own thing. So I just like the growth and progression that, that he himself was showing within the documentary as well, as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. So overall, I thought it was a very telling documentary. Um, they really go in on, a lot of things that made Kanye and it, it kind of makes you understand why Kanye had such a high belief in himself. And I'm sure he still does now, despite, you know, all the, all the stuff that's happening with his in life currently. But nonetheless, I thought it was really interesting. Um, but at the same time, it's very bittersweet because as you're watching this documentary, you're also witnessing, you know, his downfalls and, and the demise of Kanye and, and what went wrong and what have you. And especially when you see how him and his mother uh, interacted with one another within that documentary, like that plays a huge part in that documentary. And it's one of the few times where I actually do feel, feel, feel pity and sympathy for Kanye, because when you see the way him and his mom interact, you could tell that that's, his mom was his best friend. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And we knew this, you know, while she was alive. Like, we saw this, how she would, how he would bring her to, like, every interview and stuff like that. We, we saw this. But it was just heartbreaking, you know, knowing that she was his biggest fan. And she was always so welcoming of, of Kanye's friends in his inner circle. And, and she would rap along to his songs and stuff like that. And then to find out that she passed away, it's almost as if Kanye lost his North Star. And she was the one who was essentially keeping him grounded. But without her around, you know, in the flesh anymore, all bets were off, essentially. And that was the beginning of his downward spiral uh, when it came to his mental health and what have you. And this is something that I said years ago as well. You know, way before the Kim thing and, and all that stuff. Like I said this like way back in like the later two thousands, like when he lost his mother, like he lost a big piece of himself. And I don't say that to shame him or to clown him. Like I would never clown anyone on that. I mean, you're talking to somebody in myself who lost their mother at a very young age. So I didn't even get to have the opportunity to form that strong bond, uh, or as strong of a bond that anyone would have with their parents you know, grew up in the years from, from a child into adulthood. And that's exactly what Kanye did. And for him to lose her mother, you know, at a young age, especially through you know, a surgery complication of all things is really disheartening. And so I can understand why he went through that spiral. Uh, but it also makes you wonder, you know, who was around him, right? Who was around him to keep him grounded, to keep him sane, to, to keep him humbled and what have you. And when Chico, or sorry, not Chico, or not Chike, but um, when Cootie said how he didn't talk to Kanye for about six years or so, I was like, man, Cootie easily could have been one of those guys to have kept him, you know, humble and grounded and what have you. And I'm not blaming any of this on Cootie, but it just goes to show that Kanye didn't have the right people around him to keep him centered. Instead, he had other people who were more, more likely than not trying to 
get their hands into his pockets to profit off of him instead of having people like Cootie or Chike to keep him sane and to keep him grounded and what have you. And then by the by the time you get to the third part of the of the documentary, you're basically talking about the Kanye that we know now. So the one who was married to Kim Kardashian for X amount of years, the one who was talking about, you know, make America great again, the one who was talking about slavery was a choice and what have you like that. That's by that time. That's when we got to that, that portion of the doc. And I'll be honest, I really wasn't interested in that portion of the doc because that was essentially the Kanye that I don't like the Kanye that I don't resonate with the Kanye that to me sounds like a flaming hypocrite. And I'm just being completely honest right now. Like I'm not holding back. I've said this before and I'll continue to say it. Like this is not, this is not my Kanye. You know what I mean? My Kanye was 2004 to 2010, 2011. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, a watch the throne. Sure. 2012, you had the good music album compilation. Eh, sure. All right. But 2013 onward from Jesus and onward, nah, that's your Kanye. Y'all can have that one. So, yeah, I mean, that was a documentary right there. I liked it. I think if you are a current fan of Kanye or you at least used to be a fan of Kanye, I think it's a good doc to watch. It, it, it kind of helps to a certain extent put things into perspective. But more than anything for <coughs> pardon me, but more than anything for me, it was a trip down memory lane to the good times, to the times where things were better. And then, you know, just from like a nerdy aspect, just to see how Kanye is like in the studio and how he works in the studio is pretty fun to watch. And very interesting to watch how Rockefeller didn't really invest a whole lot into Kanye, into Kanye despite signing him um, earlier on. And then finding out that Kanye had to spend X amount of money uh, to to uh, film his video for Through the Wire and, and all that stuff. And and him getting his name out by doing features with other uh, artists, you know, out of his own pocket once again. So it really puts into perspective, like, where Kanye's career started and where it's at right now. So if you haven't watched it, give it a watch. Um, I think you'll find it very informative, if anything. But, yeah, it was definitely a very interesting watch. And it's not, it's not something I'd watch again just because it's so long. But nonetheless, I think it's a very interesting watch, and I think you'll probably find a gem or two in there that you'll probably hang on to going forward. But anyways, for the people who have watched the doc, what do you think about it? Is there anything that I missed? Is there any any highlights or lowlights that you want to point out? Either way, let me know. Hit me up on all my socials, and let's talk about it. All right, so let's get into the mic check segment, all right? So keeping up with the Kanye theme again, Kanye has been getting himself into a lot of hot water on social media with his constant barrage of attacks going at people like um, Trevor Noah and D.L. Hughley, him, you know, getting at Common and people that, like, he has collaborated with in the past all because of their political views or where they lean and how he's claiming that they didn't support him during his presidential run or lack thereof. And most of the vitriol I find, or not vitriol, but a lot of the attention of this whole ordeal is going towards the back and forth that he's having with Kim Kardashian, his ex-wife and the mother of his kids, like what, four or five kids that they have together. And this is, it's this is this is looking very problematic on Kanye's end, and I'm gonna say why. It's the constant harassment and stalker-like behavior that he's having towards Kim, and I know rappers are very sensitive when another person within the music industry or the entertainment industry or the athletics industry who is a big name starts dating their their former wife or former partner altogether. I mean, we saw this from Kanye when Wiz Khalifa was dating Amber Rose. And Amber Rose had to step in and be like, yo, Kanye, shut the hell up. Like, we've seen this from Kanye before. This is not the first time. So he's not, he's this is not a first-time offense from him. And so for him to do it towards Kim, knowing that Kim is the A-list celebrity and social aid that she is, knowing how, you know, she at any point in time can control the media and the narrative within said media, 
this is very dangerous territory for him because with all the constant barrage of verbal attacks that he that he's putting towards her on social media and everything like that, this is now turning to a thing where he may not allow he may not be allowed to see his kids just off the strength of public perception. And I've always said that when you know a husband and wife divorce and there are kids involved that both parents as long as they are fit should have equal custody of the kids however they want to break it down like you want to do it every other day you want to do it three days here and then three days there and then that seventh day you split the time in between sure what like whatever the case may be but those kids should not be deprived of their father and Kanye right now is making it difficult for himself to make a case for himself in order to be there uh, for his kids as much as he wants to be. All because of these constant attacks that he's putting towards Kim and the stock, stalking like behavior. Now, I don't know if if she has a restraining order against him and if she does and he's kind of going against it, especially with him buying a house right in front of their of their house so that he can be closer to the family and, and her and what have you, then it looks bad on him. And now you got Pete Davidson coming into the fray because Pete Davidson is now currently dating Kim. And he's out here taking shots at Kanye. And I get it. You're the new boyfriend. You want to defend your partner. I, I get it. But I feel like what Pete Davidson is doing right now is just agitating the situation and throwing gasoline onto the fire. Like, you don't need to tell the man that you are in bed with his wife. Like, to me, that's just petty. Like, we already know you're dating, you're already dating this woman. Like, and we already know that you're dicking her down. Like, let's be honest. Like, obviously you are. You, you don't need to throw that in Kanye's face like that on a public forum. Like, that's a little much. So this whole situation just looks messy. It, it, it looks so messy and so chaotic. And... The people who suffer from it the most are the kids. Now, there are going to be people who are saying, well, Kanye, you should have known what you're getting yourself into when it came to the Kardashians. And honestly, I'm kind of one of those people. I'm, like, we know the Kardashian history when it comes to them dating, you know, male celebrities and what have you. We know this, especially when it comes to Kim. Like, Kim made a name for herself by, by being on a sex tape. And use that to fund her empire. So, of course, she's going to be out here begging for attention. We know this. And Kanye knew this as well, but he ignored it. So, I can't say that I feel all the way sorry for him. I do feel bad from the standpoint of him being a parent that he doesn't get to see his kids. But with all these, you know, attacks that you're making towards her on social media and stuff like that, you're not making it easy for yourself. Like, the family court system is already biased enough as it is towards men. Even though there are some women out there who have proven to be unfit uh, parents for the, for the children as well. It's, it's unless if the, if, if, the, if, the, if the mother in question is, like, on, like, the brink of being, like, a, a, a meth head or, or, or a drug addict or an alcoholic or something to that extent, rarely will you ever see a scenario where both the husband and wife or former husband and wife will get equal custody of the kids or if the husband, former husband, will get full custody of the kids. The only time I can think of that off the top of my head if we're talking about the realm of celebrities is when Dwayne Wade got full custody of his kids when his former partner was heavily addicted to drugs and alcohol. I even remember the whole, whole stunt that she pulled off where she went on the streets with her and her friend or whomever that was. And they wrote on cardboard signs saying that Dwayne Wade was an unfit parent. Even though you're doing this in broad daylight in the middle of the day. And your kids are nowhere to be found near you. But yet Dwayne Wade is the unfit parent. Interesting. Okay. Anyways. I say all that to say that if Kanye feels as though he deserves the right to see his kids. Which I feel like he should. Then he's got to make a better case for himself. Because right now. The court of public opinion is against him based on all the ad hominem he t attacks he's making on social media and also just his current mental state as well. If they see that you are mentally unfit and unstable to be a father to your kids, they're going to use that against you. And this has been the, the, the knock on Kanye for, I would say, the past minimum, the minimum, pat, 
like decade now. I was gonna say five years, but even then, that's being generous. But I'm gonna say a decade now. Like that's been like the knock against him for the longest time. And one thing that I will cite on Kanye on is this: Kanye is against the idea of his children being on TikTok because his children, like I don't know how old his oldest child is, but I think maybe 12 years old. But either way, like I feel like with the internet being the way it is and with so many, you know, nefarious individuals being on the internet and what have you, something like a child being posted on TikTok could be used against the parents. And you could be endangering the child if some, you know, unseemly characters are going to be out there lurking. So I totally understand why he would be mad about his daughter being on TikTok at age 12 because quite frankly, it could be too young to be putting your child on social media like that. And I'm sure TikTok has guidelines where you cannot have your own account unless if you are above the age of 14. But this girl is 12. But Kim is one who is fostering that and encouraging that. And knowing what the Kardashians are and what the Kardashian slash Jenner brand is all about, it's all about creating attention and controversy. Again, Kim's career started off by being on a sex tape. So it's not surprising that she would want her kids, the next generation of Kardashians, to be parading themselves on TikTok or whatever social media platform that's going to get them attention. So again, these are one of the things that maybe Kanye should have thought about before dating our Kardashian, whether it's Kim, Courtney, Chloe, whomever. But at the same time, just as a human being who feels empathy towards others, I can't but help feel empathetic towards him in that aspect because his children and yeah, his children are going to be paraded around a social media app that's full of predators and, and what have you, you know, unscrupulous people who are going to use that against him and against Kim as well. And I'm disappointed in Kim and not having any foresight in realizing that because she herself has been in that position before as well as her sisters. But again, this is the Kardashian slash Jenner clan that we're talking about. They will do anything and everything for attention and headlines and for anything that will involve breaking the internet. This is what they are about. We've seen this from them for, what, a decade plus, like 15 years now? When did the sex tape come out? 2006? So 15, 16 years, give or take. This is what their brand has been about, and they have never strayed away from it. So if there's one thing about this whole entire situation that I do feel bad about with regards to Kanye, it's it's the kids. It's all the kids. But as far as him lashing out and having a stalker-esque vibe towards Kim, I'm not cool with that. As far as him and Pete Davidson having this back and forth on the internet, I'm not cool with that either. But on both sides, I'm not cool with that. And especially him attacking people like Trevor Noah, D.L. Hughley, um, Common, People that were riding for you for the longest time. And you now bad-mouthing them just because of the fact that they don't agree with you politically or they allegedly weren't there for you when you were doing your presidential run and everything in between, calling them coons and what have you. I don't agree with that either. Trevor Noah, in fact, brought up a very good point. Uh, when he made a social media post about the Kanye situation and how he feels sorry for him and what have you. He said how he has seen situations where men in this predicament turn abusive towards their spouses and their children. This is a very, very real possibility, especially when you're talking about someone like Kanye who has mental health issues and who has decided to not take his medication to help level, you know, whatever bipolar syndrome that he's going through. This could very well turn into, and I'm not wishing this on him, and I'm not projecting this, but the possibility is still out there where he could potentially turn into somebody who fits that profile of somebody who could potentially abuse his former wife and children. We obviously don't hope for that, for all parties involved, but... This is no different from any other regular person who's not a celebrity who's done this before and for celebrities who have done this before. So this is also very concerning and very alarming and Kanye needs to be careful. Be careful.
Because if something like that does happen, then he'll never get to see his kids again. And no one will be at, well, I would hope so. But no one will be advocating for him to see his kids again if he were to go down that path. And the thing that upsets me the most is that his quote-unquote fans, no matter what, will not look at this entire scenario with an objective eye and will still ride for him just because of the amount of hits that he has or the music that he made in the past that made them feel a certain type of way. But we all know that if any of this was happening towards somebody like Kodak Black or like a young thug or like a Takashi 69, people whose mental health has always been under question, but still been clowned at for being a snitch or for saying rude comments about a certain person, whatever the case may be, we would dismiss them immediately with the swiftness and we would laugh at them and we would judge them and ridicule them. You know why? Because we've already done it before. But with Kanye, because he is seen as one of the goats in rap and one of the biggest icons in pop, pop culture history, we always want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But by doing that, you are only making the scenario worse because you are now enabling this behavior. I've been saying this for years and I will still say it until I see some change from him and from the people who listen to him religiously. You can't just lean on the fact that he has all these classic albums and records and say, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he, you guys know when Kanye talks, he doesn't really know what he's saying. Listen, I'm so sick and tired of that excuse. When you are an adult, you have to take accountability for your actions. Some of y'all did not let him take accountability for his actions when he said make America great again and align himself with Donald Trump. Some of y'all did not let him take accountability for his actions when he said that slavery was a choice. There were people who were trying to say, oh, well, what he meant was slavery by that slavery comment was mental slavery. Is mental sla No, he meant what he meant. The, the man said that Rosa Parks didn't actually free the slaves. So what are you going to tell me for, from that comment that, that what he meant to say was she didn't free them mentally? She like What? Listen, there's not much I can, I can say beyond this point that you guys already haven't heard. And I know there are going to be some Kanye apologists who are going to listen to this. And hell, they may not even have gotten to this point because they already said, screw GM Cool. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But there are going to be people listening to this nonetheless who agree with what I'm saying. They may agree begrudgingly, but objectively in their minds, they're going to be like, you know what? DM's kind of right. Like, Kanye's got to chill. Fans, media, so-called friends, they need to stop enabling his behavior. And they need to check him. Check him and check on him. Because by the way he's acting right now, he is never going to see his kids again. And I would hate for a fit father to not see their kids because every father gets the right to, to be with their kids and spend time with them and raise them in and all that good stuff in between. But by conducting himself in this behavior, it seems like it's going to be a much further and further possibility than where it's at right now. And that's not good. But anyways, what do you guys think about this scenario? Is Kanye right for what he's doing? Is he wrong? Either way, let me know, hit me up on my socials, and let me get your take on it because I'm curious to know what you guys think about it as well. Cool. All right, so let's get to Trip Talk, all right? Three of the hottest topics that took place within hip-hop and pop culture. And sticking with the Kanye theme of today's episode, we're going to kick things off with a Kanye-related story. So I mentioned to you how he's been getting at Kim Kardashian. He's been getting at Pete Davidson, uh, Common, Trevor Noah, and D.L. Hughley, to name a few. Well, this has all come to a head, and now people are petitioning that Kanye West is removed from this year's Coachella Festival. So on the change.org page, where this is currently being funded, uh, this is what this, the statement of the page says with regards to wanting to remove Kanye from the Coachella lineup, and I quote, We have watched Kanye harass manipulate and hurt Kim, Pete, and others for over a year now. No one seems to want to stand up to him, and the ones that do, he puts under fire as well. 
Most recently, he has been threatening actual bodily harm on others. This is ridiculous that he is allowed to freely do this. Coachella, along with other brand names that are still working with them, should be ashamed of themselves and should not be giving him any more of a platform. So, again, this is going back to what I was saying before in Mike Check, where what he is saying on social media is going to create a negative image for him. And this is probably the most negative that I've seen Kanye in terms of the image and perception of how people view him, probably since the whole uh, Taylor Swift scenario back in 2009. This is probably like the most damning that I've seen from that point. And so Coachella, that being one of the biggest um, festivals in America, uh, is going to be taking place next month between April uh, 15th to 17th and as well uh, on April 22nd to uh, 24th. And he's one of the headliners of the show alongside Harry Styles and Swedish House, Swedish, Swedish House Mafia. Um, so, yeah, a lot of money is going to be lost out of this if he eventually gets kicked off of this uh, headlining tour. And that's not something that's going to look good for him or his pocketbooks if he gets taken off of that tour or that, uh, that, that showcase. And he knows that. So at least from a business standpoint, He's got to get his shit together. That that's that. There's no if, Andrew buts about it. Because once, it's one thing if it starts affecting your relationships with other people, which, again, is just as important. But once it starts messing with your money, and I'm not gonna say that Kanye is out here hurting for money because he's a multi million multi millionaire, um, with his music and his fashion line and all of his entre- entrepreneurships. But once it starts messing with your money and your in the position to be losing out on tens of millions of dollars, then you're shit out of luck at that point. So again, like I said before, Kanye, get your shit together. All right. So let's keep it moving now. Let's talk about Ryan Coogler. All right. So Ryan Coogler, the uh, director and writer, Ryan Coogler, who has directed such films as Creed, as Fruitvale Station, Black Panther, was one of the executive producers behind Space Jam A New Legacy. That Ryan Coogler was arrested at a Bank of America in Atlanta, of all places. And so this is how that story came about. He wanted to make a withdrawal of $12,000 from the bank. And he was masked up because, you know, COVID. And he basically told the teller to um, make sure to count the money in the back because he doesn't want the money to be counted up out up front and rightfully so it's a lot of money if you're taking it out in cash and so he wrote that on a note towards uh the bank teller the bank teller then overreacted essentially and basically said that she was feeling as though this was suspicious behavior mind you when you're taking out that much amount of money you have to take out your id show your id make sure it's verified and then proceed on which is exactly what he did so she brought the manager along which i'm not mad at because you want someone who's a bit higher up in authority to take a look at it but then the manager messed up by not verifying the the id and then just immediately calling the police and i listened to the dispatch call and the dispatch call um basically the person who was on the dispatch end she was like um did you at least verify okay you didn't all right well maybe he wanted to want the money to be counted in a more private area but okay i'll send two police officers your way so unfortunately the police officers came and they arrested ryan cooler so overall the situation got handled it got sorted out um he wasn't arrested there was no charges you know, made towards him or anything like that. And he himself didn't make any charges towards you know, Atlanta PD or whatever they call themselves down there. But nonetheless, I was going to make this my wankster of the week, to be honest. I, w- I was so close. I was so close. But nonetheless, this was just ignorant behavior from the bank itself. And it's funny because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, Ryan Coogler, black guy. He's not really like a fancy dress person. He dresses very regular, which I I appreciate, by the way, because I hate it when black celebrities always have to dress to the nine and fucking louis v and having having you know every italian brand or european brand on them plaster just to let people know that they shopped at gucci or some dumb shit like that 
Nah, he's just dressed regular. He's just wearing like a, a crew neck sweater, some jeans. Um, he's wearing like a cap, or whatever. He, he's just somebody who doesn't need to dress fancy, and I respect that. I, I respect it when, when very affluent people don't dress fancy because like, there's a difference in knowing that you're rich and wanting to convince people that you're rich. There's a huge difference in that. But anyways, I digress. But yeah, I was shocked to find out that this happened in Atlanta, which is a very, very black-centric city in, in, in America, right? And apparently the, the bank tellers who were who were confronting him were both black as well. And then the cops who arrested him were black. But again, when you're a cop, race doesn't matter. You're, you're protecting the badge. It's all about the badge. It's all about the boys in blue, right? This situation did not shock me at all, but it did upset me because of the fact that you didn't even go through proper protocols. You didn't verify the ID. You didn't do the protocols that you would normally do for anybody who wasn't black, essentially, is where this all comes down to. Because this definitely would not happen to somebody like a Warren Buffett. This wouldn't happen to somebody like Jeff Bezos. This wouldn't happen to somebody like... Um, um, I guess Joe Rogan, for example, like this this would not happen to people like that. It just would not happen at all. You verify the ID. Even when the dispatcher is telling you to verify the ID, who doesn't even work at the bank, that's when you know you messed up. So I just found it. And even, even if they were trying to rob the bank, which is what the manager was uh, uh, alluding to or, or alleging, even if somebody, whether it's Ryan Coogler or whomever is trying to rob the bank, why the hell would they present their ID? Unless if they're trying to do fraud. But again, this is where you have to, say it with me now, verify the ID to show that it is who that person uh, is who they're saying they are. This is verification, people. So even that didn't make sense. And if somebody was trying to rob a bank, rob a bank, don't you think they would come in in an outfit that would make them less distinguishable? Like, I'm sure Ryan Coogler or anyone else for that matter is not coming to rob a bank with a COVID mask on. Like, that's so stupid. And the ID fully says Ryan Coogler. No one who's robbing a bank is going to use their actual ID. So this person should lose their job. I don't give a shit. This person should lose their job because you did not perform your job properly. I'm not even going to blame the initial bank teller because at the end of the day, they're on the lowest end of the totem pole. All this person did was I mean, yes, she did say it was a bit suspicious, but she probably doesn't come around, come around people who are looking to deposit or are looking to take out $12,000 in cash. So she calls the manager. All right, I'm not mad at that. It's the manager who should get the fail on this because you are trained for moments like this. You have the higher authority within that branch of the bank. So you should already know what to do in those situations. But you clearly did not. You you panicked because you saw a black guy wanting to take out $12,000 from his own accounts. From his own accounts. And you failed at that. You failed. This was so close to being the wanks of the week. I promise y'all it was. But someone else took the cake just slightly. And we'll get to that. But not yet, though. Not yet. We still got one more story to cover. And this one goes by way of the rapper from Chicago known as Lil Dirk. Now, Little Dirk uh, went on a podcast. I can't remember the name of the podcast, but he was talking about the kind of woman that he likes. I think he's currently dating a woman right now, and he was basically talking about the type of woman that he likes. And then when it came to things of sexual nature, he's basically saying how he would never wife a woman who's had more than 10 bodies on her. So in other words, a woman who's had sex with 10 guys or more. That's what he meant. Man, I'm hiccuping all over the place. Now, when I heard this, I, I just shook my head. Because to me, and I know he's a young dude, but nonetheless, 
this is some young boy shit right there. This is something that you say when you're when you're in high school or when you're in your early 20s or some dumb shit like that. But like to say that you wouldn't date a woman just because she's had sex with more than 10 guys, like to me, that sounds stupid. That sounds stupid. I'm I'm just going to put it out there right there. I'm not out here trying to simp or anything like that. I genuinely think that it's dumb for a guy to say that they wouldn't date a girl or or be in a relationship with a girl because she's had sex with more than 10 partners. To me, that's stupid. And secondly, that, that also goes into this thing where both men and women are always curious about what their body counts are. How many guys have you slept with? How many girls have you slept with? Why does it matter? I, in, in me personally, in all the relationships I've been in, in all the times I, I've, I've pursued somebody, I have never asked that woman, how many bodies have you had? What's your, your kill count or whatever the case may be? I've never in my life asked any woman that question before. Why? Because I don't give a shit. As long as you're not messing with anybody right now while we're talking or while we're in a relationship, I'm good. And unless... You know, as long as nothing from your past happens to creep into the present, I'm good. Whatever is in the past is in the past. I don't give a shit. If anything, I would actually be more turned on by a girl who's had more sexual partners than me. Because at that point, you got more experience to bring to the table. I would welcome that. But no, this this fucking young boy shit, you know, 10 bodies, it's, it's too much, man. Like, like, to me, that screams out. You're intimidated by a woman who is probably either had sex more than you or like in terms of like the amount of partners that you've had or that she's comfortable with her sexuality because there's a lot of dudes out there who want their woman to be submissive and and they themselves want to dominate them and, and, and be in control and call the shots and all that stuff. Honestly, it, it's it's so so annoying that this is happening in 2022. Now, obviously, you don't want to be with somebody, be it man or woman, who is you know around the block, so to speak, doing anyone and everyone. Currently, I get that, but for somebody who's had multiple multiple partners in the past, as long as they're not cheating on you or doing anything of the sort, you're good. So. Why bitch about it? It makes no sense whatsoever. No sense. And I feel like this really comes into play with respectability politics, right? I think that's the main thing because it's still an age-old thing, you know, within elements of, of patriarchy where where men will look down on women who have had more than, more than, you know, three partners, whatever the case may be, or they want a good girl. They want someone who's pure. Like, honestly, that shit is for the birds. I'm sorry, but that shit is so overrated like who cares how many how many sexual partners that your current partner is having has had in the past who cares who cares as long as they're not as long as long as they're not cheating on you that's fine and as long as it's not something that's going to come back into the present that's fine who cares as long as you guys are consensual with one another and you guys are, are, are being responsible or protecting one another you're fine that's it. That's it. That's it. I don't know. Maybe that's the hippie in me. Maybe I'm just over this young boy shit. But for me, like when I heard those comments, I'm like, this is why I don't listen to some of these rappers who just came out like three years ago. Because I, I can't relate to them. I can't relate to them. They're on some young boy shit. And I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I didn't have those types of feelings when I was a teenager or whatever. Of course, of course, of course we all did. But we were young and dumb and didn't know any better. After a certain while, once you pass like your mid-20s, you realize that all that shit is arbitrary as fuck and that it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It really doesn't matter. So the woman that you're dating or the man that you're dating could, could fit damn near every bill and check off every box. They could be nice. They could be humble. Um, they, they work hard at what they do. They're ambitious. they got a good head on their shoulders. Um, they're, they're passionate about what they do and what they talk about. They know how to hold a conversation, carry a conversation, start a conversation. They're responsible, everything in between. And you mean to tell me that if this person has more than 10 bodies, you know, on their, on their hit list, so to speak, that it's a done deal, man, if you don't get the fuck out of here with that shit, I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't condone that. I don't condone that mentality. But again, this is young boy shit we're talking about. I'm guessing he's not he's nowhere near past the age of 25. I'm assuming that, but then again, this is the states. 
Zatlanta. No, he's actually a Chicago artist, actually. But nonetheless, it's 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 young, it's immature young boy shit. That's all I gotta say about this. But anyways, this is old man GM cool talking right now, so I could be completely out of touch. But hey, what do I know? Either way, let me know what you guys think about the about this topic as well as the topics I just mentioned in Trip Talk. Send me your thoughts to my socials and let's talk about it. But now, it is time for the part of the show that you guys have been waiting for for the last three months, and I will not keep you waiting any longer. So on that note, who has entered the crown? Who has entered the wall? No. Who has entered the walls of the Hall of Shame? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Wankster of the Week. And this week's Wankster of the Week goes to none other than failed actor and singer, Jussi Smollier, or better yet known as Jussie Smollett. And I'm giving him the Wankster of the Week because of the fact that he was recently sentenced to 150 days of jail, which which basically pans up to about five months in jail for staging a hate crime. Some people are saying that this was not enough time. Some people are saying that's too much time. Me, I think it's fine. I think it's perfectly fine. The reason why I'm giving him the wanks of the week outside of staging the hate crime in the first place is because of the fact that he went and gave himself a final statement and tried to plead to the court and to the judge that he is innocent and that he didn't do anything wrong. And the way he was going off about it seemed like a monologue that he was that he had prepped up um, but ahead of time and was just trying to give off his Oscar performance, essentially. Now, there are people out there who are trying to advocate for him, saying how, well, even though he staged a hate crime, he brought more attention and awareness to it. Um, for the people who think that, you deserve the Wankster of the Week as well. And not only that, but you deserve to share a jail cell with them for the next 150 days. You know why? Because staging a hate crime, but then not actually performing a hate crime, is yet another case of the boy who cried wolf. And for those people who don't know about the age-old tale of the boy who cried wolf, it is about a young boy who was in the village and kept on telling the people in the village that, hey guys, there's a wolf coming, there's a wolf coming. They believed him the first couple of times, but then after the third, fourth, and fifth time, they stopped believing him. Why? Because he was always lying about it, and he did so just so he could get attention. Fast forward, there was a wolf that actually did come to the village when nobody was around. And he kept on crying to the villagers, hey guys, there's a wolf. There's really a wolf this time. But guess what? No one believed him. And therefore, that little boy got devoured and mangled and torn up by that wolf out here looking like torn up hamburger meat. Why? Because he bit the truth and told a lie one too many times and now his blood and guts are all over the crops. That is basically what happened to Jussi Smollier. He was the boy who cried wolf. He told people about how he got jumped by two white supremacists who were wearing MAGA hats and they choked him out and everything in between. We saw the video footage. It was two Nigerian niggas who bought a whole bunch of shit from Home Depot and they were the ones who helped stage the hate crime for him. He did not think about this in the sense where what if, what if, what if cops came and saw the beating that was taking place and those two Nigerian guys got shot? Because we already know when it comes to black men in America and how they are prime suspects before they even do anything. Now, if they are actually doing something, it gives cops more probable cause to do something on their end when it comes to retaliation. These guys could have had their lives in danger at that moment. He did not think about the ramifications of that. And now he's going to be sitting up in a jail cell for the next five months, all because he wanted to be the gay Tupac. Oh, yes, he actually did say that, in case you're not familiar. After this all happened, he went on his press run, uh, press run pardon me. He did interviews. I think he did it. It was either with, I can't say if it was Oprah. It may have been Gail King. I don't know. He was doing interviews, and he even went on stage to do a performance, and he called himself the gay Tupac to all of his quote-unquote fans, and he even told his quote-unquote fans that he fought the fuck back, to quote his words. All that to find out that it was fake. 
And what this does is that it creates an unfair precedent on people who are actually trying to report hate crimes that actually do happen, whether it's hate crimes towards blacks, whether it's hate crimes towards women, whether it's hate, hate crimes done towards people within the LGBTQ community, hate crimes actually happen. People of color, they happen. They happen on a regular basis. But because this guy wants to use an actual social cause to propagate his own career, this is why I don't give a shit about him. This is why if somebody were to say that he deserves more jail time, I wouldn't disagree with him one bit. And this is why he undoubtedly deserves the wankster of the week. And that is tonight's show for you people. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. I know it's been a long and arduous three months I've been around. Man, I didn't even give you guys, I did not even give you guys you know, a year-end special. So my apologies on that, but your boy had to live his life. <laughs> but nonetheless, I'm glad to be back on the airwaves, giving you all my take on what's happening within pop culture. And we're going to keep on doing this for as long as we can. Also, I just want to point out that January, this past January, marks, if I'm not mistaken, the nine-year anniversary of Cool Radio. Cool. That shit is crazy. That is crazy to believe that I began this podcast or radio show slash podcast nine years ago back in January of 2013. That is insane. The nine-year anniversary. Wow. Owen Wilson voice. Wow. <laughs> but no, I'm glad to be uh, keeping keeping it up for this long, you know, from uh, CFRE to Maximum FM to uh, the comfort of my own home right now. <laughs> but nonetheless, this is dope. This is dope. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fun year. I'm definitely going to have some more guests. I know I kind of did the solo dolo thing for the majority of last year, but I'm going to try and have some more guests on the show to deliver their input on what's happening with the pop culture and, and kind of bring back that uh, fun element again. So don't worry, you guys will be seeing a lot more of that in the future going forward. But nonetheless... I gots to go. So once again, it's your man, DM. Cool. And as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are out here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.